All right, welcome back to the Randy Forcier podcast. This is episode eight. Today I'm joined by one of my partners, Chris Bedard. Chris, how you doing, bud? Randy, I'm doing awesome, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here today. So let's do this. I'm glad, pal. We're down one guy. Our other partner, Brian <laughs> Daly, couldn't make it today. Had a little bit of camera fright, but I'm sure we can we can hold things up together, the two of us. Yeah, I think we can. <laughs> I think we can handle it. I think we'll be good. I'm really surprised he didn't want to come on, but maybe maybe someday we'll get him. Hey, we'll, we'll get him on at some point for sure. And, and the reason I wanted to have you on was because it's pretty cool to say, but on July 1st, that will be our seven-year anniversary of working together at Norcom Mortgage. So I thought this would be a good time to chat, talk about how that all came to be, talk about our history in the business, our future in the business, which is exciting, and then just go from there. So sound good? Yeah, let's do it. It's kind of interesting, this this thing of ours and how everything kind of comes together and, you know, what versions of the story we can tell. Yeah, it'll be fun to put it out there because we probably talked to people individually about it, friends and people that we're close business partners with, but it'll be fun to get that account out online and share that story. I think it's interesting. Before we get to that stuff, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about your background in the, in the business because you've been in the business a little bit longer than me. Yeah, so I started actually as a real estate agent in 2002, I believe, at Prudential Prime Properties, which is Berkshire Hathaway. During that period of time, I also had a sales job that required me to call on Lenders Network in Portland. So, you know, during that period of time, it was super crazy. You know, it was just, it was at the start of a refi boom. So I'm coming in there as an entry-level sales rep for this office supply business, Fisher James and Bitterford, and I'm just seeing all of these players. And I, I use the word players. It's just at that moment, I looked at them as, wow, really, they're killing yep. it. You know, they've got a good profession going. Things are going well. You know, everybody's happy. I'm walking in there, and I'm like, maybe, maybe I want a piece of this. Yeah. <laughs> Not too different from my story. Yeah. You know, I'm just a little bit behind you. But when you see some of what those people are doing, it's definitely attractive. Yeah, it, it really was. And I think, you know, I started to scratch that itch a little bit every time I went in there. It was like I'd start asking a little bit more, you know, question-wise, mm -hmm. you know, what's this business all about? And it was almost like I was fact-finding as I was trying to sell those guys. Yep. But really, my story goes, I was delivering a chair mat to Frank Watson. I still talk to Frank every day. I talk to him probably once a week, actually not every day, but uh, I'm delivering something to him. And I look at him, I'm like, Frank, I have a crazy idea kind of turns and looks at me. Frank's super sarcastic, by the yeah. way. So the whole thing in my head is just kind of blown up and kind of funny how it came about. But I asked him for a job. He pauses for a second and he's like, I don't, I don't think we're going to hire any more rookies. And I was like, okay, all right, what do I, <laughs> what do I, what do I say now? So, you know, shooter's going to shoot. And I was like, Frank, I honestly think I could crush this. You know, there was some shifting going along in the business at the time that I thought I could kind of slide into. And I thought there was a need there and I was really looking to do it. So he, he kind of slow played me, you know, he handled it well, Frank, if you're watching perfectly well done, he kind of shifted the subject, told me he talked to his business partner, Dave, and he'd get back to me. Now that get back to me was two weeks, by the way. So like I go the following week, yeah. what's going on? Oh yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on in my head, but the eagerness was there and I was, I was kind of excited about doing it. And at that time, me and my ex-wife Liz actually had just found out, I mean, this was bang, bang that we were pregnant for Haley. Yeah. 
So like all of these things are going on in my head and I just sort of had that one goal of like, I really want to do this. So he calls me up one day and he tells me I have a job. So it's like, now I'm transitioning in my mind. All right, I'm getting away from this sales job, real estate, which was actually really fun. I, I had sort of gone through this period of time of not selling anything my first year. There was a lot to learn yeah. actually. It's not easy. In that second, what's that? It's not easy to break into a career in real estate. At least I don't think. Oh, I mean. I was 24 years old. So what did I know at 24? Not much. Got my license, you know, did some prospecting, but had that full-time job. So that second year, I actually got a decent amount of sales under my belt that first quarter. And I thought things would pop for me mm -hmm. after everything was out of my pipeline. I'm kind of looking at this like, man, where am I going with my career? I'm not going to do the sales job forever with all due respect to Fisher James, but I, I, I didn't know where real estate was going to go at that moment. And then I made this play for the mortgage position. And as they say now, here it is yeah. 18 years later. I mean, my daughter just graduated from high just school. Turned 18. My career. Yeah. My career spans Haley's life. And you know, here we are all these years later. Yeah. And you had, you worked at lenders for what, four or five years before you opened up your own place, assured mortgage solutions. Or yeah, for, it was about four or five years. Yeah. And it was actually, it was a really interesting time because you had me sort of at the ground floor of a refi boom, maybe in the middle of it, coming out of that Prudential office, I made a lot of friends. So like there was a lot of, the transition to purchase business was pretty organic. So it was like, it was a really, it was a really good time for me actually. So we did, we did four years there. We opened up Assured Mortgage Solutions with James Teller and Scott Luffel, yep. two of my former business partners, guys that you know. Yep. And that was interesting. Let me tell you, like transitioning from, being an employee of a brokerage to opening up your own shop. I mean, there's, I mean, we joke around about feelings when it comes to me, man, oh man, you just don't open up a mortgage company while you're working for somebody yeah. else. Like nobody's, nobody's okay with that. So there was a lot of tiptoeing through that process. But so we had assured mortgage solutions up until what did we, what did we start seven in 2015? Years ago, seven years ago. Well, you know, so I went from lenders network, assured mortgage solutions to this crazy idea that the, that we had mm -hmm. that ended up being that the three of us had. So it's just been a crazy war. It's, it's interesting yeah. the, the ride has been, I know I'm rambling a little bit, but it's like no. so many memories flood my mind of just transactions moments in time where, you know, I could have went left, but I went right. Mm -hmm. And the right was the right move at the time. Yeah. So it's. You know, I'm sure it's similar for you. Definitely. I think back to the time I spent at Assured Mortgage Solutions, you were the guy that kind of got me into the business, I would say. One of, one of those people that had a pretty big, big impact on my career. But, of course, you remember, but I worked at Market Street Settlement Group for a number of years doing marketing and trying to get closings and, and all that sort of stuff. So, naturally, I had relationships with lenders, real estate agents. We were neighbors, so we just naturally did business. And I remember, I've told the story before, but I remember doing a closing at Kennebunk Beach Realty. And I think I gave the agents like $40,000 commission checks. And I was like, what am I doing? You know, like this is, I'm on the wrong side of the table. And it was, I had that thought of, do I go into real estate or do I go into lending? Made the decision to go into lending. You brought me under your wing, right? I was there for maybe a year and a half. And man, I, I appreciated that so much. I still do, you know that. And then I obviously went someplace for another few years, but we eventually got to the point that we reconnected business-wise and started talking about Norcom Mortgage. And that was, you know, seven years and change ago. So why don't we start that whole little story? I, can I say though, like my seat 
watching you grow in this business has been amazing. Yeah. Like, you, you know, you mentioned me in the scenario, but it's like how proud I am of you, of where you started, man, you really work hard. I, I love the way you prospect all of those things that you do, you do it right. So it's like everything that you've done, you've earned. Thanks. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's been fun to watch, you know, and, and like in this business and a lot of times we're going to talk about stress at some point, maybe <laughs> in all of it. yep. it's like, there are little victories everywhere. And it's like, that's one of them, you know, being around doing loans with you every day, even though, you know, it's crazy. It all goes so fast. So <laughs> I cannot believe it's so, been seven years, you know, it feels like it's just been a couple, but then you look back and here we are. So I remember, I think it was January of, if it was seven years ago, it was January probably of 2015. And again, we were working at separate places at that point. And I think it was Matt Deere who planted a seed in one of our ears about, Hey, I think he might've mentioned it to me about you maybe wanting to work together again in the future. And I think that we had a beer and played a little bit of, uh, what's that, what was that game again? A run of the mill. Why can't I? Oh, golden tea. Golden tea. Did we play golden tea? Yeah, golden we did tea. play golden just hanging out at oh, one day and then we started talking about it and that kind of started, started the conversation. Do you remember that? I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I, I do. As a side note, do you know that when I'm slow, I'm actually a golden tea professional <laughs> player? Like that's how I supplement my income. <laughs> upstairs at the office, but that's, we'll save that for the end of the pod. Yeah. But going back, it's funny. I thought a little bit about this prior to the interview and I'm like, all right, we're going to have to talk about Matty Veer. Do I actually want to give Matt Veer some credit in all of this? And the take the is... credit regardless if you want to give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Matt, I know you're going to watch. I hope you're going to watch. Yeah, it was. It actually was. He kind of put the bug in my ear, and I think he had done that to you yeah. at the same time. And yeah, that first meeting. So what do you think about all of that? You know what I mean? My perspective is, is that I'm with two guys at the time, Assured Mortgage Solutions. You know, things are going well. Things are in an area where, did I wish they were, you know, cranking a little bit more? Absolutely. The market, there were certain factors yep. and all of that. And, and that, you, you always wonder what kind of tips you or leans you in a certain way. And it was just, you know, that day really was just a Matt Veer conversation, which led to us yeah. having some drinks and playing golden tea. So it's like, you know, obviously we're here and everything's worked out amazing, yep. but leaving relationships for me, that was kind of hard. That was difficult. Cause I talked about the lenders network days, leaving lenders to start assured. And I mean, there's a whole story about that, that wasn't fun, you know, saying goodbye to those guys, that's never easy. And then saying goodbye to those, you know, James and Scott at assured that wasn't easy either. So same here. I mean, um, I, I worked at a company, Harborview lending in Saco, and it was great. You know, I really enjoyed working with them and they taught me a taught me a ton and gave me a great opportunity. When I think about why I left, it was probably just more an opportunity to be in more of a partner type situation where, you know, ended up yeah. me, you and Brian kind of are the decision makers steer the ship when it comes to our company. And I probably would never have been that at that prior place. So I think the timing was just right for me. I mean, like I said, nothing but love for, but yeah, timing was right. And this is a story that happens all the time in lending. How many times have people underneath other people moved on to start their own branch. I mean, that's just the natural progression of things. And that kind of led to us partnering up around that time, but it didn't happen overnight. You, it was definitely a long process from that first conversation in January of that year to, okay, we want someone else to do this with us. Right. I think I, yeah, that, was, so. that was part of the, that first conversation. And I don't know if we both had the idea of having Brian, I think I knew him from doing personal business with him from referring yeah. some people to him because he was at Kennebunk Savings Bank at the time. He referred some people to me. I know you guys had that same type of relationship. So when it came to a third person, he was a natural fit. I think you agreed. 
Yeah, so we were playing basketball also at that time, I think, at the Messiah Christian Church in Wells. I think the three of us were on a team, or maybe we had just come off a season. But it actually kind of seemed like it fit, you know, for us when we were when we were hanging out, those brief times where maybe you grab a beer or whatever after the fact. But the Brian story is pretty awesome. I always enjoy Brian's reactions. And, like, everyone here that's watching this, Brian, Randy and I see them daily. Brian's got some pretty interesting reactions to things. And... So we met at Portland Pie yep. in Biddeford. We sit down, we get a couple beers and Brian, we're chewing the fat. And I think we sort of had mentioned, so Brian, we have an idea yeah. and we want you to come along with us. And what did he, uh, do you remember his reaction? He was all in from like the second we asked him. Or that, or that's my recollection of it. Or, or, or... He, he goes, ah, I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm pretty sure it went that I way, but see yeah, I'm saying that, but I'm pretty sure we left that lunch and we were like, okay, we're doing this. Like he's in and it, it wasn't like, okay, I got to go talk to Sam or I got to, you know, really mull this over. It was pretty much like, okay, you know, I think we caught him at the perfect time yeah. in his career. And I don't want to speak on, on all that stuff, but it just seemed like the timing was right for the three of us. And you know, I'm obviously glad that we reached out to him, but I didn't think it would go so well and so smoothly, at least as, as far as getting his buy-in to, to starting, starting a, a mortgage branch together. So I, the thing is, is you and I at that time coming together, that's sort of a big move, I think. Mm -hmm. And then getting Brian to jump aboard with us was just like, I know for me, I'm getting kind of goosebumps right now, <laughs> but it was such an, yeah, it brings back some good memories, but also it's like, you know, vo volume always goes up and down, you know, the market's always going to go up and down. So it's like you and I doing it together. There's, there's some risk there. Yeah. Uh, adding a third person to it with Brian's history and production. is just like, man, all right, let's do this. This, this is taking away a lot of risks in my mind. I agree. Yeah. I mean, any one person doing that takes on too much risk, at least for, for my appetite. I, I, preferred to spread it out between the three of us. And we all do a pretty good job doing similar-ish types of business or amounts of business. I think our personalities go pretty well together when it comes comes to the way we decide things and work. You know, like, yeah, I think of us as, <laughs> you and Brian are on two ends of the spectrum and I'm kind of in the middle and between the three of us, we all kind of balance things out <laughs> as far as being particular or not caring about things or, you know, it's it's kind of funny how we make decisions. Um, let's talk about that dynamic. Like people need to know this. Like I'm just as clear, like, I'll just go with the flow, whatever. Maybe something grabs me passionately and I'm like, all right, I want to do it this way. But you know, then you have Brian on the other end. That's like, man, sharp as a knife. Let's here's the direction. Here's what we're going to do. I always find your perspective pretty interesting. Cause I do know that Brian and I are on opposite ends. I, kinda sh I can Some shift things. I can be the decider because of that. And some things I'm very particular about like Brian, but then there's other things that I could care less about getting involved in or dedicating any thought to, which would put me more on your side of things, but it works <laughs> and it really does. You know, I think if we had three Brian's or three U's or even three me's, it would be, you know, a lot less effective. And, you know, it's worked pretty well for the amount of time that we work together. And honestly, I don't really see a ton of problems with it kind of moving forward, you know, we were able to, to operate pretty well together, I think. Uh, yeah, I think so too. It's funny. I read this book, Outlier. Yeah. Did you, my, Malcolm Gladwell, yeah. right place, right time, 10,000 hours. Yeah. It's kind of interesting how the three of us really at that moment, sort of right place, right time. Yep. 
and we had the hours into it. So it, it fits, it, it fits. It's kind of interesting. Absolutely. So from that point on, it was like, okay, when are we doing this? You know, we, we have to find a location, office location. I think, do we look at, we're on 199 Main Street in Saco. Most people know that. Nice brick building, great location. Parking's a little little tricky, but ultimately it's been a great location for us. Did we look at any other places besides that? I forget. Man, I don't think we did. It was one of those scenarios think... that I think it just felt right at the time we saw it i think elfie's which was a suit shop right suit shop that that was there before i think they just closed or or had closed a while back and it was still vacant so we talked to the old one what i think troy what was in troy netto i think was the owner of i forget troy he sold suits and then it was linda valentino oh yeah actually that's what it was it was elfie's then it was linda valentino's office for her i think it was for her campaign but uh, it was you know the, the space was open there needed to be a build out so we decided probably not that much longer after we met. I mean, because we moved in July 1st of that year and I know that build out took a few months. So it was probably, it was probably March or something that we, by the time we signed that lease and they built our, built out our office. Yeah. And then we chose July 1st as the date. But before we even got to that point, we had to figure out which, which lender we were going to represent. Cause you know, you were at Assured, I was at Harborview, Brian was at Kennebunk Savings. We needed yeah. to find a place that would house all three of us, address all the concerns that we may have had and be the right fit. And we talked to what half dozen different places. Yeah, we did. You know, not to go. We did. You know, my my perspective on that whole thing is is like I had a relationship with Norcom because the brokerage that I work with. Did you guys broker anything with Norcom? We did. Well, we were a correspondent lender, so it was all our own stuff. But I remember That's when cool. I did work at Assured that we used Norcom because it was was it Kristen. Kristen Stoutenberg. Yeah, Kristen, Kristen would come in and swing by my office over there. Obviously, you guys had a good relationship with her already. She worked at a different company, but then ultimately worked at Norcom. And so I had some familiarity with Norcom, for sure. Yeah, and, and I would say, didn't it just kind of feel right? It did, yeah. It, it, it did. It's like, and I think the thing that I take from the meeting that we had with them, and it's like, we both love Phil. So Phil owns Norcom Mortgage, yeah. Phil DeFranzo. He, do you remember what he was wearing that day? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he comes in with a white t-shirt and sweater vest. Sweater vest Norcom yeah. blue sweater vest. Kind of and like... I'm just like, man, this guy's, this guy's, I, he, that's me at his age. And, and he's been awesome. So, you know, I, but I think we first met with, with Greg and Ty who are no longer with us, but there was a relationship pretty, pretty early on from when we first met with them. And we met with a few other places that didn't quite feel that way. One of the things that I liked about Norcom and I think you would agree, Brian, too, is that there there wasn't any existing Norcom offices in Southern Maine, or at least that any that had presence with the people that we do business with. So it was yeah, a real opportunity yeah. for us to start on the ground floor in terms of building a brand and separating ourselves from other people. I mean, if we worked with some of those bigger, if we went and worked for a bigger lender that already had name recognition, where agents may have had a bad experience with, you know, that would already be attributed to us. So with Norcom, no one had any of those feelings, good or bad, and we could build that relationship from day one. It's actually a really good point. I didn't think about yeah. it that way because yeah. really the bigger names actually sort of sometimes stain if something goes wrong. Yeah. So you now in a transaction. So now, I mean, I think a lot of people were at least for a while, people thought that we owned Norcom, right? I mean, people must talk to you sometimes like you do. They definitely talk to me that way. And then I have to go through the whole oh, explanation. Oh, I've gotten it a million times over the years. So you don't, you don't actually own Actually, Norcom? knowing you, you probably say, yeah, I do own Norcom. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> this is good. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. 
No, no, no. Maybe, maybe I'll give the impression that the, it's not a yes or a no. You know, <laughs> it open for interpretation. Belichick it, Belichick it. Give it, give the blank stare for a second. Leave it open for interpretation. Um, but like you said, it just felt right. I think with them, and and then we opened up our branch on on July first, twenty fifteen. Man, that was a whirlwind. Yeah, that's like you said. That stuff sucks. Having a having to leave prior prior employers and you know sever those relationships. There's no there's no easy way to do it, right? Like it's a it's a tough conversation regardless. So, you know, I think we all just did our thing and then came together on that day and kind of have moved forward ever since, you know? Yeah. The thing that I've never really enjoyed about this business is sort of the layer of protection you need to have in certain conversations. You know what I mean? Like things that you have to insulate because mm -hmm. if you if you let too much out, you know, it leads down this rabbit hole for people and it's just things become open for interpretation. And then it's always, you know, nine out of 10 times it's negative. So it's like getting through that part of it for me. And actually in hindsight, every time I think about it, I, I like no part of how anything went down no. in that direction for me. I kind of wish you could do it differently, but you know, here I am talking about it. It's, it's, it happened. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. 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 That was, that was interesting at that time. But, I mean, we've, we've moved forward since then. So it's just, yeah, and, and everyone's kind of moves on and that's just the nature of the business. It always feels super intense when you're in the middle of it, but, but seven years have been awesome at Norcom, right. And working together, like no complaints, yeah. obviously pandemic in the middle of, but you know, business has been pretty good since, since we've, since we've worked there, you know, and I think that we've got a lot of benefits from, from being partnered up with Norcom. Wouldn't you agree? I would. The benefits have been amazing. I think the size of our company gives us a bigger presence or a feel of a bigger presence, but we're not overly. You know, we're not, we're not so big where you kind of get the impression that we're all just numbers. Mm -hmm. So I like that the most, the people, it's so easy to communicate with everybody that we work with. It, it really feels like this family, like team atmosphere, you know, something that I kind of want to bring up is like, you mentioned seven years, think about like for, on my side of things, like all of a sudden my daughter's graduated from high school. Like the mortgage stuff aside, like I've been sitting here, I watched you and Brian and your spouses have four kids since we became TB3, right? Your two youngest. No, just, just Nora. Just Nora. I think I had, I think I had, Ellie was born the, in 2014, the fall before, but I mean, she was obviously an infant. Oh, okay. We were going through all this stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Brian got married, had two more kids. I had at least one more kid. My girls are 10, seven and five now. So Brian's are a little bit different, but close. Yeah. It's a lot of growth. A lot of growth and it's, it's been, it's been awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting in a different phase of my life and I'm watching you guys raise young kids and it's just like, I can't be more proud yeah. of you guys considering everything that we have to grind through every day to get this or stay on top of this job. So it's that part's been really cool. So you got the business side, but also the seat that yeah. I sit in watching you guys kind of raise families. It's pretty cool. Yeah. That, that part has been fun. So there's so much that's happened in that period of time in terms of the Norcom stuff. The, the one thing I would want to say is I. We've been fortunate to have some level of success. I mean, business has been is, has gone well since we've been partnered up, and I think that that's been good for us as a, as it's allowed us to have some influence on the company. You know, when we're, whenever we, you know, share our, our ideas or our thoughts on ways things could be done, people are listening, which I appreciate. Yeah, so it's nothing but appreciation for them. The the biggest thing for me, you know, when I think of where I work or if I would ever want to do something different in terms of mortgage mortgage companies, I think can we just hit our closing dates, right? That's the, the most important thing. Rates, products aside, 
most important thing is being able to get a contract that someone's under contract and close on the on the contract date, right? Because if you don't do that, no one wants to do business with you if you're always pushing back the contract date. And that's one thing that I take a lot of pride in. And I think Norcom should get a lot of credit for, regardless of when appraisals come in, because that's challenging in our market, regardless of anything. If we have a shot to close on the contract date, whether everything comes in the day before, we're, we're making it happen. And, and that's something I truly appreciate. I love the communication. That's the thing. It just boils down to all of that. Dealing with our closers. I mean, they talk to us. Underwriters, they talk to us. I mean, I, I know I'm kind of regurgitating some of the stuff I just said, but I, I like the fact that we own our own AMC. Yeah. So it's not like we have any special privileges when it comes to that, but it's, it's nice to be able to call somebody that you have a personal relationship with. And just, just and to be clear about what that is, an AMC stands for appraisal management company. And basically that means yeah. that we have a sister company that manages our appraisal relationships, as opposed to being a, a company that has to hire that out by a third party company. Um, there's just a layer in between. If that was the case, you wouldn't be able to contact people or people wouldn't be as interested in helping you out. And with us, ValueQuest, who is that? is that AMC is an extension of our company and those people are all phenomenal. Yeah. So I, I like that part too. I think that's a big benefit for us being able to pick up the phone and talk to those people. Too. Definitely. Most people don't realize what a challenge appraisals are in Maine. You know, there's other parts of the country that you can order an appraisal and get that report back in a week. And in Maine, I mean, there, you know, there was times in the thick of 2020 and 2021, you're looking at seven, eight weeks. So you're getting a report. It's, it's probably closer to, to three, four weeks now, but you know, that's, it is hard to close something on time. If you're not getting the appraisal till a handful of days before the closing, you know, so every deal's tough. Having value quest on our side has been huge for us. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Randy, where's my appraisal? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my that. God. How many I times? actually don't even know how to answer it. No one ever asks me that. So I'll just <laughs> kind of put me on the spot. Tough one. So Tough one because again, most people don't realize that when an appraiser is doing a, a report for us, that's not our, like the appraiser themselves is not a part of Norcom or ValueQuest. That's a third party. That's someone local in the community that is managing their schedule with Norcom and any other lender they're doing business with. And we don't know, you know, we don't, we're, we're at their mercy and it's tough because if they don't get reports back on time, what's, what's our repercussion? All right, we'll kick them off the list. Great. Well, if we did that, if we kicked every appraiser off the list that, that got a report to us late, we would have no appraisals and we wouldn't be able to do business. So it's a, it's a weird thing to have to, to depend on. It's really something to manage, isn't it? Communicating for a process that you can't control. Yeah. Yeah. That, but that, we if I think it. of our business and we'll maybe talk about mortgage stuff towards the end, but like, that's probably the biggest challenge. So have, having that relationship with ValueQuest has been been key for us, you know? So, so yeah, definitely agree. So here we are, fast forward seven years. It's been a whirlwind. Business has been great. Everyone knows that rates have been phenomenal up until recently. So uh, I think we really lucked out in terms of when we opened up Norcom and the run that we've been on in the seven years. But now we're getting into mid-2022. We have some other exciting news that most people know about. We bought a building last year, a commercial building. Me, you, and Brian, we formerly our business partners now, where before it was more, we were just partners within Norcom, but still employees of Norcom to the point that we now own real estate together. For those that don't know, it's a building on Beach Street in Saco, same building that CIA Cafe is in. And we bought that in December. We were hoping to move in on July 1st, which would have been our seventh year anniversary. But tell me a little bit about, about what's been going on with that, that place. <laughs> so first of all, it's a building that we, we should be super proud yeah. of. 
like it, it, we've got parking in the back of the location, so we'll be able to comfortably park without worrying about getting a ticket now. Mm -hmm. Sia Cafe has that large parking lot to the side that they use, so we have off-street parking. Mm -hmm. Like, where do you find that on Main Street in Saco or Bitterford or any offshoot? So we got lucky to find that. So that was like... That's the number one issue that we've had here as much as, like, I love the building that we're in right now. Yeah, it's a beautiful building, um, great location. Parking's awful. Yeah, parking's awful. Like, so to have that, first of all, has been amazing. But Randy alludes to, like, the construction side of things. So I like to get my hands dirty. We buy, we buy this building. We've kind of been dabbling a little bit in demo and reconstruction and all that stuff. And right now, just like the interest rates blowing up the refi market prior to this, you know, this last six-month run, you know, these guys are just out of their mind, busy right now, you know, with new construction. So it's like taking on a project like ours, the building is older, you know, not everything is square. It's probably, I, I don't know. I don't know how these guys judge things, but it's like, it just seems it's been a little bit of a challenge to get guys show up, do the jobs, communicate. But I mean, it seems like we're on the tail end of it, yeah, maybe. I think so. Our new goal is to be in on August 1st, which seems realistic given recent developments in the past couple of weeks, which is nice. But there was a time when we, when we closed, I think it was December 20th or 21st that we, we thought we'd be in maybe April 1st. <laughs> it's like, the hell are we thinking? The place was still like studs on April 1st. I mean, it was still studs two weeks ago, it seems like. But yeah. I mean, let, 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 me, let me ask, so you've done a lot of real estate investing. Yeah. Like, I, I'm proud of this. Like, I think it's gonna, when it's completed, the way that it's gonna flow, where it's at, like, I mean, we're going to be really proud of this thing. I think it's going to come out great. The layout is perfect for us. I think it's 16, yeah. 1,600 square feet. Am I wrong on that? But is, uh, on the, it's a little bit over 2,000 okay. if you include upstairs, but like the major, yeah. major areas, like there's plenty of room there. But there's three key, like three key offices on that first level. You know, there's the conference room, the kitchen, all the finishes that we have are going to be great. And then there's an upstairs space for for just whatever we would want it to be in terms of lounging or just like a little bit of recreational space for us and any like friends or clients that we bring there. And there's another office to house, you know, one, two, three, four more loan officers if we really needed. So it's the perfect size for the size of our company. Fortunately, we have a processor, yeah. Emily, she's the best, but she works at home. So she doesn't need an office in there. And I'm very proud of the, the location and the space. I'm just really looking forward to it being done. Yeah, that and also like during the demo phase when SEA was closed during that little period of time from the sale to us yeah, and March. they were having some, yeah, they were having some employee issues. So they kind of paused for a minute. What I can't get over is how much foot traffic that cafe brings to that building. Like just the, just the regular clientele knowing they were closed mm -hmm. and then the, you, you know, just the random clients or the, I call them clients because of us, but like. Yeah, the random customers just randomly stopping in. It was it was insane to me how often that phone rang. So we our visibility. In that yeah. period of time from when they closed in December till they opened back up March 1st, even if it was like February 20 something and they had been closed for months and everyone knows that we would show up for five minutes and at least one person would come in the parking lot, get out of their car, walk through the door, realize they're not open and turned around. It kind of blew my mind. And since they've been open, you know, it's been about three months now, places always packed. So we're super places I'm in the building and it's a great spot for us to meet. It's a great spot for us to, to get food and to have below us. Made me wonder why didn't TB3 venture out to the cafe business? <laughs> Maybe that's what's next. You know, <laughs> should we share the story of TB3 or, or what, know what people, let people know what that is. <laughs> it's 
kind of a yeah. So TV three, TV three. I want to know what you think first, because like my memory of it is tech string develops, and then I think it was Deflategate Tom Brady yeah. time, right? Yeah. So everything was TV twelve this, TV twelve that. Obviously, you're a big Brady fan. Brian doesn't really know what sports are, so he didn't not know a big Tom sports Brady guy. Was. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I guess eventually, didn't we just change that text string well, and I, name I it to TV3? Not only being like a play off the Tom Brady TV12 was also was also short for the big three. You know, maybe we kind of had yeah. come together. I mean, we weren't in the, you know, we weren't in the the Celtics of 2007, 8, 9 when that, you know, the KG, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, that's who I think of as the big three. I mean, there's been many big threes, but like that was a, a term that was kind of in my mind from that point on. So when we came together, I think we may have referred to ourselves as the big three at some point. So between TB12 and, you know, the big three, you know, fitting with TB3, that's kind of developed. And that's what we named the LLC that we bought the building in. And, you know, if you ever see that around, that's what that is. It'll always have a, you know, fond place in our art. I, I use it. I don't know why it puts a smile yeah. on my face. Every time I talk about our LLC and I mentioned TB3, mm -hmm. people pick up on it immediately. Yeah. And like you um, said, our text string has been named that for over seven years now. So it's, it's always at the top of my, my text app. It's just such a random thing between us, isn't yeah. it? We're just so randomly perfect. Yeah, it is. It really is. So we're very excited about the building. I mean, we'll keep everyone posted on what's going on with that. But, yeah, here we are, another month, month and change. And, and hopefully we'll be in there having a end of summer, early fall welcoming party and, and sharing the finished face with everyone. Because like we said, should we're be very proud. It should be amazing. It should be, I mean, you know, we're going to have a glass wall off the conference area, coffee bar, technology area. It's, it's just, it, I like the way the office flows. It's big, it's spacious. I love the way that the sun comes in off of That's it. Definitely a nice change of pace. I'm excited I'm for it. So a lot to look forward to. So with that said, let's talk about the mortgage business just for a few before we wrap up because we, yeah, let's do that. We bought this place. Some would say peak of real estate value. <laughs> Yeah, let's just do worst case. I mean, mortgage interest rates were great. And then we close and then here we are to rates in the sixes. Values are starting to soften a little bit. I don't have a ton of concerns about the building particularly, but it is kind of a funny thing to think that we bought the building in not the, I don't know, maybe it's the peak, but, and, and here we are six months later. What are your thoughts on the, on the business and the market? Okay, so I'm married to Allison, whose father is Barney. Mm -hmm. Barney's been in the area for 40 years building houses. I have, an, I have a high opinion of this father-in-law of mine, mm -hmm. and some of his business dealings with real estate have been pretty impressive. And I listen and I talk. I actually, I mean, I just let the guy talk. Mm -hmm. And all he ever says to me is, save your money. It's going to come down. Yeah. Save your money. It's going to come down. Like, that's all he ever says to me whenever I talk about a particular property, something to invest in. It's like, all right, so when is that saving that money going to come into play for me, Barn? So we buy this property, and it's just so interesting that all of a sudden, five minutes later, mortgage volume's down, rates are up. But like you said, I got confidence in the building, but I also have confidence in our ability to service our real estate agents, yeah. to build our base a little bit more. We like to get after it. We get out of the office. We like to greet people. We like to meet people. We're obviously always willing to meet and work with new agents to service that purchase business. Cause I think that's going to be the market here yeah. in the near future. We've always been that kind of how guys. We... Right. I mean, I think that, yeah. believe it or not, I feel like I would learn this from you 
early on in my career is to focus on that purchase business. Cause I, you used to tell me stories just about people that were refinance focused loan officers that would sit in the office, wait for the phone to ring. And when those phones stopped ringing, they got out of the business. And I, I knew from early on that that was not something that I wanted for myself. So always focused on those referral partner relationships that purchase business. Cause yeah, the refi stuff is great. The past couple of years have been phenomenal, but you know, yeah. that stuff is going to dry up at some point and here we are. Now we still got to focus on the purchase business cause that's going to be there regardless. So where do you think the business goes yeah, from here? I mean, I think it's going to be a challenging, at least rest of the year, I assume into next year too, because the biggest problem that you and I see is regardless of people making good money, having good down payments, they're still making offers on homes that a dozen other people are making offers on homes for. So there's going to be that competitive aspect of things. And once in a while you have people get their offer accepted, but it isn't like it had been where if you have a qualified buyer, they go out, look at a property, make an offer like in the past that was probably going to be accepted, or at least they'd have some luck after a couple different offers. But you got people that doing 10, 12 different offers on places over the course of three, four months with no luck. Like that's, that's tough. I expect that to continue, unfortunately. Yeah, me too. The, the supply and demand is so upside down still. And the, the thing that I want to mention here is like the news is going to make you seem like recession, 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 like housing doesn't always dip during recessions. So it's, you know, I think it, I saw a statistic three out of the last four recessions, we still had two to 5% appreciation through yeah. them. So it's not like, I, I'm getting a little concerned that, you know, obviously the engine that feeds marketing and all that stuff is click, 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 and your headlines need to be what they need to be to get people to look at them. Recession doesn't necessarily mean we're falling on our face yeah. here. I, I just don't see that happening at all. So that's a message that I want to get out to people that are listening to this. Like if you're going to buy a piece of real estate right now, it's not like it's not going to appreciate like it did the last two or three years, but it's still a good investment to have. I mean, a great investment I to agree. have actually. One of the things that's different about now than maybe 2008, I really can't speak to much before that, but back in 2008, a lot of people were getting mortgages that probably shouldn't have been, they couldn't really afford yeah. the payments. Now lenders have tightened up their guidelines. They're really only lending to people that are actually qualified and have the ability to repay these mortgages. So part of the problem in 2008 was these people that couldn't afford their mortgages would foreclosure, short sale, or whatever, whatever the case may be. The people that have mortgages now are in a little bit better position to kind of weather that storm. And, and, if, they're, yeah. and if they're not, the demand is so high that they could sell their house in a second. So I, I don't know that there's this big surplus of inventory where prices kind of crashed. If anything, it's just kind of a plateau and this is the new normal. And, and like you said, wouldn't see a ton of appreciation, at least in the short term, as we've had so much in the last um, few years. Actually, really good job bringing that up. Yeah. yeah, so my career is four years prior to Randy's and the, and it's interesting to talk about Rand because I have, I have a couple of scenarios that really, if I deep dive into some of my transactions, I'm looking at what we have for mortgage product today versus prior to the financial reform, the appetite on secondary for mortgages was just insane. My first couple of years in the business, you guys would not believe the amount of products that we had to get somebody in a mortgage. And in hindsight, now looking at it, it was just, it was just ridiculous yeah. actually. So it's like, we're not going to have that now. I miss all of that through. stuff, but I do know the stories that you told me just about the different products, you know, no documents, stated income, stated incomes means the borrower can just tell us what we want them to use for in income. 
you know, yeah, no pay stubs, no W-2s, like none of that stuff exists now. Everything to the point that some borrowers probably get annoyed by the level of documentation that we ask for, but it's because lenders are requiring all this stuff to really document that people can pay it, as opposed to just some guy off the street coming in and saying, yeah, I make 150 grand a year. And then me being like, okay, sure. And just writing it down and moving forward. It doesn't work like that anymore. Yeah. And it's like my experience brings, you know, going through that sort of environment leads me to say, I think real estate stays strong. Yep. Appreciation is just, you know, two to 5% figure over a couple of year period, but you never know. You never know. <laughs> you never know what's going to go on in this world. So, you know, that's, that's my prediction based off of what I've seen in my industry. So I don't, I don't think the inversion of, you know, supply and demand corrects itself from a gluttony of just bad loans being foreclosed on. We've, I mean, they're so conservative now since what, 2011, at least. So, so many of those rules that changed early in my career, but it's actually been pretty steady since then. You know, like there hasn't been any earth shattering stuff since then. I think, I think that it's a stronger industry because of it. So, so we'll see what happens over the next few years. I'm excited about where we are positioned at Norcom. I think we still continue to have a lot to offer to, to customers and referral partners that we do business with. I mean, have a super smooth process. And I expect good things to come for us. Should we talk about that real quick? The process, what it looks like if you apply with sure, us? Sure, run through before we wrap up, definitely. Yeah, so basically everything's technology driven like anybody else in our industry or any other company, but all you have to do is just get us an application. We could do it over the phone, old school. Mm -hmm. I could take some chicken scratch notes and key it into my software for you, or I could just copy and paste my application and send it to you over a text or an email. And mm -hmm. you know, if you fill it out, it's within, man, it never takes me more than a couple hours to get back to somebody once we have it with some decisions. So yeah. it really is a pretty streamlined process and, with us. You know, and then we'll have a conversation talk about what you're looking for in terms of what's an ideal monthly payment, what your max monthly payments are, your price ranges you should be in, and then kind of set you on your way back to your realtor to, to start the search. So it, yeah, like you said, 24 hours max and all that stuff gets sorted out and, and people have a good sense of, of what their options are. Anyone that would be nervous about applying to get pre-qualified for a mortgage, I would just encourage them to do it because it's not that hard. And I think you touch on something important is that I don't, I, when I'm looking at numbers, I'm just disclosing a max, but really I'm always asking somebody, what are you comfortable with? So I'm always cognizant of that. And it sounds like you are yeah. too. Not that we want to send people out max budget, go do this. And you know, you live it on ramen. Yeah. It's more of a consultant approach. I feel like we take, you know, and I listen to Brian a lot too. Brian, you know, we have an open sort of concept office now listening to Brian sort of go through his progressions. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Like we, we definitely consult with people. It's not, here's your max, go, <laughs> go, go live on ramen go 30 years. To be honest with you, it's, I think it's stressful when people try to go out to their max. I'd much rather someone tell me a comfortable price range or, or monthly payment that they are okay with. And then I can tell them what that is. But I don't think just because someone has a max that they should, should go right up to it. Because what happens, unfortunately in this market, and I don't know if you'd agree with this is, you know, people, we set parameters around what people should be looking for. They go out in their search and the next thing you know, they start like, well, can I go a little bit higher? Can I go a little bit higher? So if we're already starting at your max, the next thing, you know, people are trying to go above their max. And it's not fun to tell people that they can't qualify for stuff. So, yeah. And then, then at that point, when people are going up to their absolute max, any small variation in income calculations or a lot of different things, you know, could, could cause things to fall apart. So, yeah. So. It's a delicate area. Yeah. We're definitely cognizant of it. So we kind of protect you against yeah. it. 
the the customer. Yeah. But this is all stuff that we kind of discuss through the process, and it really is a a pretty streamlined streamlined process. And uh, you know, like I said, anyone that's thinking about getting pre qualified, we'd be happy to help. Yeah, definitely. All right, bud. Well, I think that about does it. Did I miss anything? No. I think really the only thing that we could discuss is maybe some of our crazy fun times, but those are for we'll us. We'll save that for another <laughs> podcast. Podcast 100 will be the crazy mortgage stories that yeah, I always thought about. We always joke about writing a book, but maybe we'll just do a pod. We'll get them all out there. Top five craziest mortgage scenario that, that we've had. Probably be through. I hope. Sorry to interrupt you. I hope your podcast blows up. I hope this podcast is a great one. Yeah. In like three years from now, we have like enough confidence to actually tell some of our stories. Yeah, no, they're, they're crazy stories. I actually wrote a decent amount of them down someplace. But yeah, we'll save that one for the next time, pal. Yep. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks again for, for coming on, bud. It was great talking, rehashing all those old stories. We'll have to get Brian on next time, but we'll, we'll see. So... Randy, thanks for having me, bud. I'm proud of this podcast. I hope you guys are watching it and listening to it. And thanks for having me, brother. Awesome. Thanks, dude. See you. All right, buddy.